Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Last week I began a series on stewardship, and I'm going to continue that series next week, all right? Uh, this week we've already had a missions update, and we're going to have communion in just a few moments. And before I do, what I want to do this morning is I want to read some scripture. I want to say a few words. And then I'm going to do communion just a little bit differently this morning. The Lord has laid this on my heart uh, to do this morning. Uh, we're going to um, read scripture, say a few words, and then I'm going to lead us in a moment of, um, of examination and repentance before, before the Lord. Um, if you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 26, we're going to get there in just one moment. Uh, but communion is a celebration. It is a celebration of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Can somebody say amen? In fact, it's sometimes called uh, the Eucharist, which is derived from the Latin, and it, um, it means thanksgiving. So as we partake of the elements that symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, the bread, the cup, that symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, we receive them with thanksgiving. And as we receive them, we ought to be filled with peace and we ought to be filled with joy uh, over what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. However, communion also, we know this, communion also memorializes the suffering that Jesus endured on our behalf. Therefore, communion is also a somber ceremony, and as such, it requires us to consider, to consider the cost and to consider the consequences of our sin. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul warned the believers. He said, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now that church, the, the, um, the Corinthian church that Paul is addressing in that passage, that church was, was carnal and, and it was very deeply divided, though they thought, themselves, they, they thought themselves to be super spiritual because of the many manifestations of the Spirit. But somehow, this is what Paul is writing to them in the first letter uh, that he writes to them, somehow they had lost the love of Christ. And so Paul is exhorting them to, to judge themselves, to examine themselves so that it would not be necessary for, at some later stage, for God to judge them and for God to deal with them. Now listen, we, we may be able to avoid the Corinthian error, error if, if we take time before communion to examine ourselves and our hearts and to feel sincere sorrow for our sin and to repent of those things that hinder us in our fellowship with Christ and 
those things that hinder us in our relationship with God. And that's what we're going to do this morning. When Jesus met with the disciples um, during Passover, uh, the Passover at which he would offer himself up as the Lamb of God, uh, he had dinner with them in an upper room, and he gave them some very specific instructions. And so we're going to read that uh, episode from Matthew chapter 26. So if you have your Bibles open, look at Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse number 20. And when it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful. And began to say to him, one after another, is it I, Lord? And he answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, you have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, and he said, take and eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we pray that, Lord, you just speak to us this morning as we prepare, Lord, to celebrate communion, and it is a celebration, Lord. We pray that, Father, you will help us to prepare our hearts, God, and to spend the time that we ought to, that the time, Lord, that Paul tells us we should, examining ourselves, judging ourselves, Lord, feeling Sincere sorrow, Lord, over our own sin, God, asking for repentance, Lord, so that we might rejoice in the forgiveness that we have because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And Father, as we celebrate communion together this morning, we ask that you would minister to us, God, that you would do something in our hearts, our lives, do something in all of us, God that will bring eternal glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we thank you for it, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 Now, I'm not going to speak to you very long this morning, but these verses that we've read uh, contain the words of Jesus whereby he instituted the Lord's Supper that we're going to celebrate in just a few moments. Luke's version of this event makes it more explicit that Jesus intended this meal to be a memorial of his sacrifice. And in fact, uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that I've already referenced, Paul uh, preserves the form of, of this episode that makes it clear that his disciples understood that Jesus was instructing them about a perpetual ordinance, something that they would celebrate, something they would do over and over and over again, as often as they had the opportunity to, to remember the Lord's death and to participate uh, in the grace that God had made available to them through it. So these facts are well known. We know that about this story. But what I want to draw your attention to is, is a part of the story that we sometimes, uh, we've seen it, uh, but sometimes we rush past it. 
And that is that before Jesus broke the bread and before he shared the cup with his disciples, he told them that one of them uh, was going to, to betray him. And the Bible says that all of them, after Jesus shared this news with them, one of you is going to betray me. The Bible says that all of them were very sorrowful and that they began to say to him one after another, Lord, is it I? Is it I, Lord? Am, am I the one that's going to, to betray you? You see, this is, this is that moment of self-examination and that moment of sincere sorrow that is essential to the spirit of communion that what we're about to engage in this this moment of self-examination sincere sorrow before we can before we can celebrate the redeeming work of Christ on the cross it is appropriate for us to mourn our sinful condition and to acknowledge before God that that we're sinners and that we need his grace indeed we will not fully appreciate the boundless measure of God's grace until first we understand the deceptive depths of our own depravity and, and our own sin. So when Jesus told the disciples that one of them would betray him, then instinctively, now you've got to give the disciples some credit here. We sometimes pick on the disciples but when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, instinctively all of them understood that he might be speaking about any one of them because they were all sinners. And they all might have had it in their hearts to betray him. The Bible says they were filled with sincere sorrow. And, and their sorrow was not merely that Jesus would be crucified and that he would die. There's evidence that they still didn't quite get that, that he was going to be crucified and that he would die. They were, they were filled with sorrow with the realization that they might have it in their heart to betray uh, the Lord. So they were filled with sincere sorrow and they began to inquire whether, whether or not they individually whether they might have the capacity to betray Jesus Christ. And it's that, it's that sort of humility, it's that sort of personal scrutiny that Paul is after in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he says, you know, before you celebrate the Lord's uh, Supper, before you partake, each one of you should examine your own self and look at, uh, your own heart. So that's what Paul is after in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he says we should examine ourselves before we celebrate communion. You see, Paul is commending self-examination not, listen, not so that we would feel condemned by what we find. Because how many knows when we look hard enough, when we look long enough, at our lives, then we're going to find some things that disappoint us, right? We're going to find in our hearts some deception. We're going to find in our hearts some sin. We're going to find in our hearts something that is not pleasing to God. So Paul is commending self-examination, not that we would feel condemned by what we find, because we'll all find something in our hearts. And the Bible says there is there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? 
If we've been forgiven of our sins, we can thank God for his forgiveness and for his grace. So Paul is not saying that we should examine ourselves so that we would feel condemned by what we find, but so that we might confess what we find and in confession be healed by God's grace and God's mercy. In fact, in his second letter to the Corinthians, it's interesting because in his second letter to the Corinthian, Paul actually kind of somewhat apologizes to the Corinthians. And um, he says, you know, I might have seemed a little bit hard <laughs> in my first letter to you. I might have, my first letter, might, the, the rebuke might have been a little hard for you to accept. So he kind of, um, in Paul's own way, he kind of sort of apologizes to the Corinthians for being so hard on them in the first letter. Nevertheless, he says, this is in his second letter to the Corinthians. Nevertheless, he says, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, he says, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through it. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. So Paul explains to the Corinthians something that we know also, that it's, it's not easy and it's not fun to confront sin, is it? He felt, Paul felt bad, but he made them feel bad. <laughs> uh, but not really, Paul said, not really. Because how many knows there are worse things than confronting your sin? Namely, continuing in your sin. Continuing in your sin is worse than the pain of confronting your sin and confessing your sin to the Lord. So Paul says to the Corinthians, so if I caused you sorrow, I'm sorry, but not really sorry <laughs> because your sorrow has led to repentance. And for that, I'm glad that you have repented of your sin. So there are some who think that there's some that think that grief is incompatible with the gospel, and I understand where they're coming from. But listen, Paul says godly grief, sorrow over our own sin, realization of the deceitfulness that's in our heart and in our life. Godly grief, Paul says, produces good gospel fruit in our life. In fact, godly grief reveals the truth about our sinful nature, reveals the truth about the duplicity of our heart and our pride and our motive. Godly grief convinces us of our need for Jesus Christ. It convinces us that, as Paul said in Romans chapter 3, there, is, there are none righteous, no, not one. 
Not one of us are righteous. And godly grief reveals that to us. It reveals our own sin to us. It convinces us of our need for Jesus Christ. Godly grief then leads us to genuine repentance where we look at our sin, we confront our sin, and we confess our sins to the Lord, and we turn from our sins and we turn to Jesus Christ. Godly grief produces genuine repentance. And then finally, godly grief increases our thanksgiving and our joy for God's grace. Do you remember the episode in which um, a woman came to Jesus and she fell down at his feet and she anointed his feet with um, perfume and she wiped his feet with her hair? And you remember that uh, Jesus, the disciples were a little bit taken aback by that. And they said, well, you know, this woman's been too extravagant in her expression of thanksgiving for, for you. And you remember what Jesus told uh, Peter? He basically said, she is, she is rejoicing much because she has been forgiven much. Amen? When, when we understand that we have been forgiven much... We rejoice much. Amen. And so for, for communion to have its full benefit in our life, we need to spend the time mourning our own sin, looking at ourselves, examining our hearts. And is it, is it difficult? Can it be painful? Absolutely. But there's worse things than confronting your sin. And that's to continue in your sin. And God's word says judgment begins at the house of God. That if, that if we will judge ourselves, then we won't have to be judged by God. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to spend some time, before we celebrate communion, we're going to spend some time examining our own hearts, examining our own, our own lives. And so this is, um, this is going to be an exam time, all right? You don't have to take out... A pen and a paper, a uh, piece of paper if you, if you don't want to. Um, <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time and we're going to just ask the Lord to come and to reveal our hearts to us. And yeah, we're going to spend some time in some sincere, some sincere sorrow over our own condition. So here's what we're going to do. Jared's going to begin to play some music in just one second. I'm going to invite you to find a place of prayer. Wherever that would be, wherever you feel comfortable, if it's right at your seat, that's cool. If you want to come to the altar, then come to the altar. If you want to turn around and kneel down at your seat this morning, then I want you to do that. But here's the key. I want you to find a place, find an attitude, find a, a quiet place with the Lord and where you can go to him, tune out other things, and, and be quiet before God. And we're going to begin to ask him, Lord, is it... Is it I? Am I the one? Don't, you're not preoccupied with what your neighbor has done or what you know, the people at work have done this past week. Lord, you just don't see and you don't. Hey, can I tell you something? The Lord sees and the Lord understands, right? What he's asking you to do this morning is look at your own heart. Look at your own life. Say, God, is it me? It's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I need your grace, God. I need your help, Lord. I need your forgiveness. 
And so I want you to find a place of prayer, and I want you to begin to examine your heart, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Now, listen, I know this is hard. Scary a little bit, too, isn't it? Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me whatever it is about me that is not pleasing to you, God. Show me, Lord, anything that doesn't conform to your will for my life. And listen, let me remind you as we do that, the purpose here is not condemnation. It's not so that you'd beat yourself up and say, oh, I'm a horrible, terrible uh, person. Uh, God knew that about us and he loved us anyway, right? Send his son Jesus Christ to die for us. Can you say amen? But that's not the purpose. The purpose is so that we can come to him and confess and be healed by him. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.